Hello and welcome to another edition of the Kiwi Astronomers. My name is Gareth Davies. I'm here in lockdown Auckland. I'm a keen amateur astronomer and um, I'm, I have with me again today John Drummond. He is a former president of the Royal Astronomical Society of New Zealand and he runs the Possum Observatory and Gisborne um, night, night Tours. What is it, John? Gisborne Astro Tours. Gisborne Astro Tours, yeah, that's, that's right. True. That's right, sorry. And we're here today uh, to talk about the moon. And um, interestingly enough, a lot of us are not big fans of the moon because it's, it's the biggest polluter in the night sky. And um, we're always hoping that the moon will, dis will disappear and then we can go out and see all the um, wonderful things you can see in a dark night sky. But that said, a lot of people love the moon. And in all honesty, when we go out and we do observing with groups of people, it's always the moon they go wow about. So um, for all of you out there who are observers, um, John is going to tell you um, the story of the moon and what's interesting to see and what's worth seeing and how it came to be formed and all of that good stuff. Um, so I'll pass you over to John now to, to start the talk. John. Yeah, no, thank you, Gareth. Um, yeah, so the moon is, well, humans have known about the moon for since, you know, they, since inception. And we've, we've noticed certain things about the moon, like phases of the moon, how the moon takes one month to go around the earth. But the moon, the word month basically comes from the moon, you know, like the word month, I'll see you next month, shortened to month. And the moon, moon takes takes a month to go around the earth. The moon is actually orbiting the earth. It's not orbiting the sun as such, like the earth is orbiting the sun once per year. The moon is orbiting the earth uh, once, once a month, and it, it, it goes through four main phases. The new moon, when we can't see the moon, because from earth we're looking at the unlit backside of the moon, the side of the moon facing us that's not lit up by the sun. And so we can't see it. And then as the moon goes around the earth, it goes through the phases. So we see the, the, the crescent moon and coming up to the, the first quarter moon, uh, also known as half moon. It's called first quarter moon because at that stage, the moon has covered a quarter of its orbit around the earth. And so, yeah, we call it the first quarter moon when we, we see half the moon lit up. One week later, it's the full moon. And the full moon rises when the sun is setting so so it's, qu it's quite neat if you have light low horizons you see the sun setting in the west and you'll always see the moon full moon rising as the the sun is setting one week later actually eight days later we have the last quarter moon and then seven days after that we're back to the new moon so we're at it all all together and it works out that it's about 25 and a half days roughly uh from new moon to new moon it's all a bit confusing, isn't it, the moon for some people? Certainly was for me that new moon, there's no moon. And then full moon is only really halfway through rather than at, at the end. And then the dark side of the moon isn't really dark. Uh, so it, there's a lot of sort of 
and then I'm not sure people really understand, you know, how it how the tides work and all that. There's a, there's a lot of confusion about it, but there's nothing more beautiful in the sky, is there? Especially that in the evening when you suddenly see it rising, uh, that is something really special. I always think, and people drive by in their cars or walk by with a dog. I'm I'm always there staring up and thinking, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. You're, you're right, Gareth. When the moon is, especially the full moon is rising at, at sunset, it's quite amazing how when it's rising, it just looks absolutely huge compared to uh, six hours later when it's high up in the sky. And astronomers believe that it's a basically a psychological effect where we're seeing the moon in comparison to trees and distant houses and, and things like that. Because our eyes, our brain has something to compare it with. The moon looks much larger uh, down at the horizon than, than when it's high up in the sky. It's quite interesting. Uh, a few years ago, I was driving down one of the roads uh, to the surf in Gisborne here, and there was a cruise ship out in the bay when we had cruise ships before COVID. And the cruise ship was sitting in the background with houses and trees and everything in the foreground, and it looked absolutely massive. And then when I got to the beach and saw the cruise ship sitting on the on the you know in the water without the foreground objects, it looked a lot smaller uh, in my brain. So the moon moon does a similar thing. Well, actually, our brain does a similar th thing when it has these foreground comparison objects to compare it to the full moon. Yes, I understand they did a study in America, and in fact, young kids thought that the the, the moon at the at the horizon was twice as big. Yep. The moon in the sky. Yeah. So, but you can confirm, right? It it is an optical illusion. It's an optical illusion. It's no larger. So, um, in astronomy, well, you know, a full circle is three hundred and sixty degrees. So, if you looked at a point, a star directly over you, for example, and went right around the um, right around the sky, back to that point in the uh, that star in the sky, that's three hundred and sixty degrees. The moon. It extends for or subtends for half a degree on the sky, and uh, and doesn't matter if it's at the horizon or high up in the sky, it's still half a degree on the sky. Wow! And, and interestingly, the sun also extends for half a degree on the sky, which is which is very unique in that when you get the moon covering the sun for a solar eclipse, the two are perfectly aligned. The, and you know, line up perfectly over each other. Basically, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun in diameter, and the sun is 400 times further away than the moon. So it gives a one-to-one -one ratio, and when you have the moon sitting over the sun, it's just perfectly eclipsed for a solar eclipse. Have you been to a solar eclipse, John? Yes, I have two of them in China, one in China and one in, on a cruise ship, actually, in 2000 and, gee, when was that? 2007-ish, uh, around about then. And both, both were amazing. It's really neat to see the sun slowly being eaten up, so to speak, by the moon as the moon slowly moves across the sun. And then at totality, it's, it's really dark. It's, it's like nighttime. And you can take your filters off your eyes and, and everything and look at the uh, sun being covered by the moon. It's just an absolutely glorious sight. I was supposed to go to the one, was it 2017, was it? Um, oh, yeah. in, in the America. United States? 
And then it coincided with the launch, the very day, the launch of uh, Great Barrier Island's Dark Sky Sanctuary. And so, because we've been so heavily involved, we had to cancel our trip. Yeah. And we were going to Idaho, and it had a perfect view, apparently. So we never got to see it, which is yeah. very sad. But there you go. Everybody yeah. should see one, they say. Yeah, there, there'll be one in Dunedin and, and um, oh, gee, it got me. I think it's about 2028 or thereabouts. Oh, not so long then. Yeah, we'll still be in right. lockdown. So yeah. maybe we'll, we probably won't be able to go, but, you know, never mind. Yeah. So, so John, tell us about, um, about how the moon actually came about. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There, there, there have been a number of theories over the year, years. In fact, it was... Sir, um, Charles Darwin's son, George, George Darwin, who came up with the idea that the moon was actually slowing, uh, well, basically slowing down in its orbit and consequently moving further away from the Earth. And he came up with a theory that as the Earth, when the Earth was spinning faster, a hunk of the Earth, basically from the Pacific Ocean area, flew out from the earth to form the moon uh we now know that 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 hypothesis is wrong but that was that was quite an interesting one there, there's been a few other ones too where the moon and the earth actually formed together uh in the early formation of the solar system 4.6 billion years ago another theory is that the moon was just captured and that proves problematic in that the moon would have to be traveling at the precisely the right speed and into the right uh, area realm of the Earth's gravity to actually be captured. The, the latest theory since the Apollo missions to the moon between 1969 and, and 1972, when the, the Apollo astronauts returned 382 kilograms of rock, plus the Russians actually also scooped up some and uh, sent some, not with man probes but with uh, you know robotic probes with scientists looking at the moon rocks and so on they figured that they're they're very similar to the earth in some ways and based on that similarity in 1975 the idea was put forward that the moon was formed when a planet the size of mars which is called they're called thea t-h-e-i-a Thea came in, did a glancing blow on the Earth and mixed up Earth material when Earth was very young and molten and the material from Thea, which formed a ring around the Earth. And then over, over, over the years, that co coalesced into, into the moon. Where did Thea go? Well, it became the moon as, as well oh. as a material on Earth. So oh. some of Thea probably uh, went into the Earth uh, and some of it became the moon. Plus, some of the material from Earth became the moon. I so heard that's that why there was our a, rocks are, are fairly similar. I heard there was a Trojan moon. There was another moon as well. And then that just basically coalesced with, with the moon. Okay. That's what I heard. But maybe there are lots of stories about the moon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's quite interesting just um, how the Apollo program certainly did open up our understanding of the moon and and made us rethink how it possibly formed uh just just the how the rocks are so similar to the earth and in, in many ways so some of the rocks 
are not quite similar. There's not quite as much iron in the surface rocks of the moon as there is iron on Earth, which makes astronomers think that in the early formation of the Earth, there's a thing called planetary differentiation. And the heavy things like iron and so on sink into the center of the Earth where the main gravity is, whereas the lightier silicate rocks and so on sit on the surface of the, of the Earth. With the moon, there's not nearly not as much iron in the rocks on the moon. And that, that led astronomers to believe that by the time we had that glancing impact with Thea, most of the, well, a lot of the rock iron in the Earth, in the early Earth, had sunk to the center to form the inner core and outer core. And so there's less iron on the, on the surface. And then um, um, there was the collision with Thea. And so that doesn't seem to be as much iron, you know. And that, what, is, what is, what's the main, is there a, a, a certain kind of rock there? They drilled, they drilled down with some probes to, to find out, is it, did I hear it was granite or something like that? Is, is yeah, what, yeah, the, the, the three main types of rocks in the, in the return samples were uh, basaltic rock, rocks, which are the dark uh, larvae type rocks. All, all the rocks are basically uh, igneous, which, means fire i believe in greek and that was um formed oh, sorry gareth okay sorry about that that's all right okay so we'll start again eh? so yeah it's it's most of the rocks that the apollo astronauts returned were well all of them were igneous rocks which basically comes from the greek word for fire and they were volcanic type rocks. And the, the rocks we found they returned were basaltic rocks, which are, which are dark rocks that they found on the Mare. When you look at the moon, when a, the listener looks at the moon, you'll see that there's dark areas on the moon and they're called Mare. And they look like seas. They, they early, the early astronomers thought they were seas, just like New Zealand, uh, sorry, the world has seas and oceans. They thought there was water on the moon, big pools of water, Mare. Right. And then there's other areas too, which are the whiter areas, and those are the highlands. And the six Apollo missions to the moon returned that the, the rock samples and found that the, the ones found in the darker areas, the basalt, um, the Mare, are the basaltic rocks, the, the dark sort of uh, volcanic rocks. And then around the highlands, you've got the um, anorthosites. And uh, and then there's also breccias, which look kind of like concrete, which are uh, were formed basically from meteorites hit and, and so on, smashing into the moon and um, morphing some of the, some of the igneous rock. Of course, um, if you're observing the moon, it's always great to see it in the crescent. Because you can see all of the um, uh, craters with a sh with a shadow falling across them, but once it gets to the full moon, that's not quite so impressive through a telescope, anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Gareth. Uh, when you see the moon as a crescent moon or a first quarter moon, the sun is sitting hitting side on to it, and so you see the. Sometimes you see it's really neat. You see mountain peaks casting a big, long, cone-like sh shadow out to the side. 
and you see the the rim of the crater but a, the black shadow is still inside the crater so there's a lot of contrast there so the best time to actually look at the moon is when it's a crescent moon or, or first quarter when when people ask me for Gisborne Astro tours when's the best time to come and look at the moon uh, look at the stars I say well probably when the moon is is about four days to seven days old it's not so bright that it's blocking out the stars but there's enough moon moon there to actually get amazing sights. It, it, it always amazes me that the, the two things that make people go well when they look through a telescope are number one, the moon, and then number two is Saturn. Yeah. Um, but from the Earth, through a telescope, let's say through the strongest, best telescopes that we have, are you able to see any of the remnants of the American space mission? No, no. No, uh, no, they're just too small. So with the space probes they've put in, put in orbit around the moon since then, yes, certainly they can, with their high, high resolution cameras, photograph the prints, the, the tracks of the, uh, the, the, uh, the um, tracks of, of the rovers that they had. The last three Apollo missions had rovers. Right. And so yes, we can, we can they can see uh, see the various landing sites and the, and and so on. But no, with the largest telescopes, no, not really. It's interesting, you know, because I was watching a program on the James Webb Space Telescope the other day, and they said that the James Webb Space Telescope is so sensitive to heat, to infrared heat, right? That if you were, if the James Webb Telescope was on the moon and it was pointed at your house and you put a bedside light on, the James Webb Space Telescope would be able to pick up that heat signature. Wow, wow. And this in the infrared heat. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. th that's, it says, it it's, it's, um, gives us a lot of hope. We, that's one of the topics we really must discuss next time, maybe or the time after, is the James Webb Space Telescope mm. and space, Space telescope, you know, the Hubble as well, because those stories are just truly fascinating. And we have such beneficiaries of the images that, that Hubble is sending back. And hopefully, you know, James Webb, wow, what's that going to do for us? But still, it, car carrying on, carrying on with uh, uh, the moon. Uh, so Trojan moon, I always found that an amazing idea that, that there was this um, uh, th th second moon but maybe that was just hearsay. One of the things that's always fascinated me, though, is that the moon is actually um, moving, moving away from us um, every year. And that, in fact, when the moon first formed, it was actually very close to us. Uh, and over the millions, billions of years, you know, it, it's got to where, what's 384,000 kilometers away, yeah? Something yeah, like yeah. So the average distance to the moon is uh, three hundred ninety-four thousand four hundred kilometers. It's quite interesting. The moon has—it's not a circular orbit. It's actually an elliptical orbit, and it ranges in distance from three hundred sixty-three thousand to four hundred six thousand kilometers. So there's times when it's closest to the Earth, which is called perigee, geos meaning Earth in Greek, mm -hmm. uh, and there's times when it's furthest away from the Earth called apogee and that that 
that can actually give us uh, super moons. When the moon is closest to the Earth, it can give us a, a super moon, and, and it's about 11% larger than when the moon is furthest away. So the Earth, the moon does go around the Earth in an elliptical orbit, but interestingly, it's it is moving away from the Earth at about 3.8 centimeters per year. They think that astronomers believe that when the moon was first formed from the Palladium of Theia about 4.5 billion years ago, it was a lot closer. It had a lot stronger effect on our tides. The tides were up to about 100, 100 meters high between high tide and low tide. The Earth was rotating faster than it is now, but it was actually, I mentioned him before, Charles Darwin's son, George Darwin, who came up with the idea that the moon was actually uh, moving away from the Earth. And now astronomers use mirrors left on the moon by the Apollo astronauts. They shine lasers at the moon from McDonnell Observatory in the, in the United States. Because we know the distance that light travels very accurately, we can very accurately measure or time how long it takes for that laser from McDonald Observatory to hit the moon and then come back and we can work out the distance to the moon down to the centimeters. Now, over the years and you know, with, with observation, we, we've determined that, yeah, the moon is moving away from us. And, and interestingly, as the moon is moving away from us at 3.8 centimeters per year, it's having an effect on the Earth's rotation speed and the Earth is actually slowing down. In, in, its, um, in its day. And the day on Earth is increasing by, ze I have to read this one, 0 0.002 seconds per century. So the day is getting longer by right. 0.002 seconds per century. Might not sound long, but in astronomical terms, it, it possibly will add up. Well, I did hear that um, the, it, the moon is very important to us as well, right? It stops us sort of like wobbling too much. Is that right? Something, something yeah, that's, like that's that? right. They, that we believe that with the um, the steadying effect of the moon around the Earth, it, it stops wobbles and and uh, you know settles our seasons and 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 so on. So yeah, the moon certainly does have a have a have a, a big effect on us and. Of course, with tides, uh, with with tides, uh, the 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 moon at certain times of the day will have an effect on on our tides and cause high tides and low tides. It's kind of hard to explain verbally. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. Diagram, but yeah, if you if you imagine that the Earth is a circle and the water around the Earth gets squashed into a kind of like a oh, how would you explain it? kind of like an egg shape. And the earth is actually rotating in that egg shape of water. And imagine New Zealand at some stage is, is at, the, at the egg part where there's not much water there. That's low tide. Then the earth rotates six hours later into that bulgy part of water and that's high tide. In fact, Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we shouldn't actually say that it's high tide or low tide. We should actually say, oh, the tide is coming in, we should say that the Earth, or New Zealand, for example, is rotating into the high tide bulge. Yeah, that's another one of those strange things that, that everybody says, oh, the moon has an effect on the tide. And I've read lots of things, but it, 
I have to sit down and study it very closely to, to feel totally comfortable about how that works. There's something about it that's, that's sort of slightly illogical, as it is with a lot of astronomy stuff, right? Yeah. And if you go into if you go into Einstein, of course, then it really sounds like, well, this is a bit strange. That's or right. A lot, a lot fact, one, one interesting thing about the moon is that uh, this seems logical too, is that it's not only the water that actually goes up and down, uh, you know, seem, appears to go up and down from a certain loca any location on Earth, but the whole landmass around it also goes up and down by 30 centimetres. <laughs> yeah. So we wow. have like a, like a full tide of land and a low wow. tide of land as wow. the Earth goes up and down by about a foot. So the effect when, it, when the moon was first, up there, and it was close. And I don't like to sound like the school SWAT, but when we did the um, uh, lunar eclipse in in my street, I I got a few facts to tell them my friends when they were there. So I s sounded intelligent. <laughs> and apparently, um, <laughs> just Google, of course, so who knows? But when the moon was first formed, it was only 22,500 kilometers from Earth. 22,500, can you imagine? Wow, it would have been really blasting. It would have been, it would have been like day, daylight. Yes, yes, it would have been. And, and the tides would have been horrific. And so 22,500 kilometres, the Earth is 12,756 kilometres across. Right. So that's roughly two Earth diameters. Wow. Now, now the Earth is, the moon has receded to roughly, it's pretty much 30 Earth diameters to the moon. So you see cartoons and books and so on, and it shows the Earth and the Moon just sitting a little bit far away from us. In reality, it's 30 Earth diameters to the Moon. That's why it took the astronauts three days to travel there, to travel at 384,000 kilometers to get there. And of course, it was the Moon that got into Newton's head, right, when he discovered gravity. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's he, right. He was. He, he thought, why doesn't that fly off somewhere? Yeah, and of course, if I'm and this is my elementary um, understanding, that somehow the moon is actually falling towards the Earth, but because it's it, because of its velo sideways velocity, it goes around. That yeah, right? That, that, that's right. It's a delicate balance of the Earth's gravity pulling it in towards us, but the, the force of uh, the speed of the orbit as it's going around, trying to fling it away, so it, it holds us holds it there. And it was that that made him think. Well, how is that? And the apple came straight down, and the moon went round. Yeah. And he used that to deduce that ah, there must be gravity. Gravity is affecting both the apple and the moon. That's that's right. In fact, we can kind of relate to Newton in that he was in a lockdown when he came up with the idea. So he was. Yeah. In the 1660s, the plague was going through Europe, and basically they said, "Go home, stay home for a year." Yeah, so he went and stayed. You know, vaccination rates. Vaccination rates were really low, apparently. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, very low. So, so and Newton was a bit. Newton took off. He was like going off to Waiheke Island, a Great Barrier Island. He didn't hang around. Whoa, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pack, packed up his mule and he was galloping across the Lincolnshire countryside. Yes, every house. Yeah. He was staying at his mother's house and uh, that's where the apple tree was. That's where he's sitting. And the theory was, you know, the apple tree fell down and made him think. Yeah. Well, the apple tree fell down. No, no, that was the guy with the Oh, chainsaw. sorry. The apple fell down. Did that I was the guy with the tree? chainsaw. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The apple fell down. 
Yeah. <laughs> fell down. Yeah, yeah. So the moon, you know, it's had it's had uh, lots and lots of effects on us, I suppose. Yes, yes, it, it has, and it's. I mean, how many poems and songs have been have been written around the world about mm. the moon? And then you've got the. Uh, I was the playing that on the piano the just today for my granddaughter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's it's a very uh, it's a very beautiful thing. And you were saying that astronomers don't want it in the sky because it does block out the stars. But I must admit, just sitting there and looking at the moon through a telescope or binoculars and looking at the craters. Some of those craters can be up to oh, several hundred kilometers across. And uh, yeah, just thinking about it, you know, think about how on the moon, the sunward side of the moon is about 130 degrees Celsius. And conversely, on the other side of the moon, you know, that's facing away from the sun at, at, at nighttime, it's minus 180 degrees Celsius. So it, it goes through huge, uh, huge temperature changes. Wow. And uh, it's, it's very, very small compared to the Earth. In fact, if you brought the moon down, set it right beside the Earth, it would be the same size as, as Australia. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's about, well, uh, you know, one, the, because it's much smaller than the Earth, the gravity on the moon is, is a lot less. So one, about one sixth the gravity of Earth. So you could jump a lot higher. Imagine have it holding the Olympic game High jump on the moon. That's that's right. That's right. Because yeah. I, I read somewhere that when rocket when the capsules come come to Earth, back to Earth, they use our um, atmosphere to to basically um, slow them down. Right. Whereas on the moon, they had to use rockets to slow them down because there was because there was so little little atmosphere on the moon so so yeah that's a little sign they don't use rockets we use those heat shields so we don't need yeah. to take rockets if you're going just around the earth if you're going to the moon you want to land on the moon you've got to take some fuel up there to 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 basically um fire those rockets yep yep that, that, that that's right uh so no atmosphere on the moon no wind no rain so the, the footprints from Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts will last there for millions of years, unless, of course, a rock, an asteroid or something comes in and hits that particular footprint. Uh, right. but yeah, and no tectonic plates on the moon. So no, uh, no earthquakes as such that we have on Earth. But there are moonquakes. When the Apollo astronauts went to the moon, they, they left seismographs around, around the moon and they were able to work uh, using the size of grass, they found that there's about 300 moon, uh, sorry, 3,000 moonquakes per year on oh. the moon, and that's partially caused by the the tidal effect, the gravitational pull of the Earth on the moon, also called caused by the moon cooling down after it's been heated to 130 degrees Celsius. You know, it'll shrink and cause uh, small moon moonquakes, and Lastly is impacts from uh, meteors and so right. on. They, they found that the moon gets hit around about 120 times a year by rocks between roughly 100 grams to up to 1,000 kilograms or a ton across each year. And that, that can also cause a, a ringing effect on the moon, earth, uh, moonquakes. 
Yeah, I'm fortunate that I have got um, a, a pair of very large bino, of a bino telescope and I use it primarily for looking at the moon and um, the balcony in the front of my house allows me to see the moon come up. And when you look at it uh, close to full moon, I can look at it. So you see it in the daytime almost. And it is quite so beautiful. And I think people forget that you can actually see the moon um, in the day. And it's a, it's a, a, a beautiful object to look at. And I'm very fortunate with my with my binos because I don't get that glare that you get um, for anybody who's got a sort of an eight inch telescope when the moon is close to full. It's it's very uh, it's not a great experience looking at the moon because you need filters and then the filters mm -hmm. cut out a lot of of the action there. So I love to look at it in the daytime through these big binos and it is truly stunning. And then at the end of its cycle, right when it's a gibbous moon get up in the morning, you can actually see the moon um, setting in the west, which is a wonderful sight as well. It's not So what I'm saying is for observers who are listening to this and watching this, that's, that's truly something to enjoy is the moon, not at night, but in, either in the, in, the, in the evening or in the morning. It's, it's a wonderful sight to behold. Yes, it is. That, that, that's right. There's it's, 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 it's something beautiful about a sunny day, you're looking up and you're seeing another world sitting in the sky. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really, really neat. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it truly is. A, it, it's a wonder. I was uh, walking in the park about a week ago. Um, so it must have been the dubious time, I guess. And it was just, it was just so, or maybe more than, maybe a few weeks back. It's just so wonderful just to see it up there in the day. But tell us, the, um, I mean, 1970s we all thought oh yeah early 70s you know this is this is going to happen and we're going to be building bases on mars on, on the moon and then and then the americans you know ran out of money and maybe the Amer um the vietnam war was all getting to them they stopped funding it and we've never gone back and there's not a person when we talk about the moon to talk about um the astronauts don't say why did we not go back and well, we know why, because it was money. But now uh, Elon Musk and all of those guys, they're all talking about going to Mars. They're basically, this is like, oh, the moon, yeah, it's like a motorway cafe or something. We'll give it a, we, we, will, we won't go there. Is there, is there a, does anybody have any plans to actually put humans to go to the moon? Yes, again? yes, there is. There, there's, uh, apparently there's a, an Artemis uh, mission they plan to put people on the moon. Well, I'm not sure if it's going to happen now these days with all the COVID um, uh, happenings, but they, they plan to put the put people back on the moon, men and women, on the moon by 2024. Who's Artemis? Who's Artemis? I mean, that's the, now, goddess, Artemis, it's, it's, the goddess Diana, if I remember correctly. But yeah, so, so Artemis was a Greek goddess of the moon, the mythological Greek goddess of the moon, and... She's the twin sister of Apollo. And of course, the, the Apollo mission is going to the moon. So uh, actually called Artemis is very, is, has a strong link to the Apollo missions. They, they hope to send people to the South Pole of the moon, the lunar South Pole, because they think that down who, at the who's pole... This, who's this who? Who's this they? Oh, this is NASA. It's an American-led oh, team. But it'll be an international... And it, well, um, 
actually, I'm not quite sure if it is NASA. I, I guess it is, but it's it's an American-led team, uh, possibly with an international team of astronauts who will go there, land at the South Pole, and uh, they want to go to the South Pole because that's where water probably is. They've discovered water there. At they least probably found, they probably found find that Raoul Amerson has been there. Who? Uh, Bama. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good idea. Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. So, so, of course, water being two atoms of hydrogen, one atom of oxygen, you can actually get hydrogen for fuel, oxygen right. for breathing, right. and use some of it for, water, for drinking, of course. And so I guess the idea behind Artemis is to set up a station on the moon where people can live. They're only, well, only three days travel between the moon and the earth if things go wrong uh, and then learn how to live in that base and then once once they've done that then they can set up a, a colony on mars once you sort it out i mean that's faster than sailing to australia <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> things go wrong yeah so th that'll be exciting and of course it'll be very exciting because it will be the first woman on the moon because oh, all the six astronauts so far on the moon have been men, and so this will be the first lady on the moon. Twelve men walked on the moon. That's right. And 18 or 24 men visited. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tw uh, no, 18, 18 visited. Not 24. Okay. Because so Apollo, got... Apollo Apollo eight went round it. It was three oh, yeah, 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 so and so Apollo yeah, thirteen. Yeah. Apollo thirteen didn't land. Yes, yes, yes that's right. Yeah, thanks. That was a trick question. Ah, uh, yes, that was a no, trick well question. Yeah, I've got another. I've got another little fact, which people might like to hear, and that was that only in nineteen nineteen did our friend, our friendly policeman, the um, IAU. Standardize the name of the moon as the moon. Yeah, really. Prior to that, it had lots of names. Yeah, Luna and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, Italians were making a big bid. No doubt, the French had an idea they were going to call it something, La Lune. But no, IAU went with it with a good old English version, the moon. Yes, yes, so with the M. Hmm. With oh, the, the M, M must have made it made a big difference. And there were there were lots of reasons. Somebody said it came from um, metri to measure. Menzes Proto-Indo-European language. I wrote all this out to impress my neighbours. Oh, good, good. <laughs> but as you said, the truth of the matter is, it's all about the moons, right? Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it certainly is an interesting object, and viewers might have looked at the moon and you'll notice that actually there's always just one side of the moon facing the earth which is interesting it doesn't doesn't orbit so we see the back side of the moon the far side of the moon it always keeps keeps the one side of the moon towards us and it might be because there's slightly more mass off center towards the earth and because of that it's got a synchronous motion uh, a, a synchronous orbit where it keeps that one face towards us but the, the other side of it is kind of quite pockmarked, isn't it? It doesn't have it the lovely mares. Yeah, not, not nearly the amount of mare that uh, the near side has. The In 1959, Luna 3, the Russian sent a, a, a probe 
around the backside of the moon, the far side of the moon, and, and photographed it, realized, yes, there's a lot less mare, uh, a lot more highlands, and uh, and it's, it's got some, some big impact basins around there. But no, it's the near side that actually has the, the beautiful the, the beautiful seas uh, or mare. In fact, about um, 16% of the moon on the side facing, well, actually all over the moon is, is mare, the darker regions, and about 84% is the whiter parts of the moon. Well, there you go, John. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for telling us all these wonderful facts. I, from my perspective, I, I would just say to people, you know, start getting out there and looking at it because it is a truly amazing sight. And for anybody who, who runs, um, you know, has a telescope, take it out there and, you know, get the neighbours around to have a look during the when it's in its early phases because it's just so wonderful to see those um, the shadows creeping across just a fantastic fantastic sight and if you yeah, it, just the craters are just beautiful and some of them are, are, are several hundred kilometers across in fact there's about thirty thousand craters that are one kilometer or more across on the moon oh well i i had a figure here that there are three trillion three trillion craters over one meter over three one meter trillion. wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. how about that yeah. Somebody counted them. Actually, job. Yeah, no, two trillion nine hundred ninety. Amazing! Exactly three trillion. Who would have thought? I know it's, it's quite interesting. Actually, a, 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 one or two lunar eclipses ago, I was looking at the moon through my telescope during a lunar eclipse when you see the Earth's shadow moving, well, the moon moving into the Earth's shadow. And I got one of the large craters. It was Copernicus or Tycho, one of the two. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of hard because the shadow has a slightly fuzzy edge to it. But as the shadow went from one side of, of the crater to the other, I knew the distance, so say it's 200 kilometers. And then I timed it, and then I could work out how fast the shadow of the moon was going across the across the moon, which oh. is which is quite exciting. And in in November of next year, uh, sorry, yeah, next year, two thousand and twenty-two, there's going to be another lunar eclipse where the full moon will move into the Earth's shadow and have that beautiful red color on it and look like a, a 3D ball in the sky. Oh, but I've got to be honest, I was majorly disappointed i thought it was going all that talk about blood moon it looked like a moon that had fallen in some 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 dirt really to me and i <laughs> but I, I did hear that apparently the term blood moon ha, uh, was coined uh in uh, in the time when there was terrible a particular type of pollution in the sky uh but since we've cleaned up our act in that regard and so it no longer looks like a blood moon that was, I, I'm of course, I read it. Yeah, somewhere. no, you, you're right, Gareth. Uh, we, when we look at the moon during solar, uh, lunar eclipses, there's a scale, and I just can't remember the person's name who came up with the scale, some astronomer, and the moon can range from blood red to a darkish color, and that actually indicates how many pollutants, uh, smoke, uh, volcanic eruption, dust, and, and silicon dot, you know, and so on is in the atmosphere and will block 
the amount of light going through, which will impact on how the moon looks. It's really quite interesting. Mm. So it's good news if it doesn't look blood, and it's bad news if it does look blood. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So when is the next one? It's in November. I think it might be the 22nd, November 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah. A year's time. Well, the last one was pretty good. Uh, I must be honest. And we had, we, I even had seats out in the garden uh, nice. so people could look up. But the previous ones had been a disaster uh, with cloudy nights. But this one was really great. And I know that Astron's and Auckland Astronomical Society did a live feed and had an incredible number of hits from overseas yeah. looking at this looking at this live feed of one of the scopes um, pointing at the at the at the moon. So there you yeah, go. That was Andrew Buckman's backyard, wasn't it? That's right. Well, you say his backyard, but it's in a rather wonderful spot mm. <laughs> overlooking the Hauraki Gulf. And it's <laughs> and it's just sort of like a away from a lot of light pollution and the way the moon was coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it was it would have been him and Steve Dean, I think somebody. Anyway, it 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 was it was uh, well attended, shall we say? So yeah, it, we... it's good it's good to know that there is uh, there's uh, so many people out there who are you know um, fascinated by it and would look up and take the time. And it was late, you know, uh, it, uh, it it was like eleven o'clock. Although a lot of the people watching were watching from the other side of the earth, so it was the morning. Yeah, it was, it was quite neat. Uh, for the last eclipse, uh, a, a school came out and stayed the night for, for Giz, Gisborne Astro Tours, and it was cloudy, and, and the kids were staying the night, and, you know, everyone was really looking forward to it. Uh, and one, it was actually Sunrise Christian School, and one of the, one of the students prayed that it would clear up and, and uh, we would see it. And, and sure enough, at totality, the cloud cleared, and there we had 20 minutes of beautiful totality and saw the red moon. And, wow. and the, the teacher of that class took the took a photo through my telescope and, and it made the front page of the newspaper the next day. So wow. it was really neat to see. Which paper so, was that? The, Giz, the, Gisborne, the Gisborne Times Age? Gisborne Herald. The Gisborne Herald? Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. I'll have to check it out on the web. Okay, yeah. John. Thank you for that. Um, I'm not, we've seemed to have been going on for a while, but after all, it's the moon. Who doesn't like talking about the moon? Blue moon. <laughs> Who doesn't like talking about it? That's okay. Right. Thank you. Um, I know you've got a lot on at the moment. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this. And I hope the people listening in have, have learned something. I certainly have. So we'll, we'll come up with something interesting to talk about. Don't forget, I'd love to talk about the space telescopes. I just think they're just so wonderful. So there you go. Um, I'll play us out now with our favorite song. Okay, thank bye. you, Gareth. Okay, bye. Take me to Callisto so I can see the stars. I want to view the Milky Way from a terraform base on Mars. From a terraform base on Mars. From a terraform base on Mars.